Welcome to Seekers and Scholars, a podcast from the Mary Bakerty Library in Boston and online at mbelibrary.org. The library provides educational opportunities and resources related to the life, achievements, and writings of Mary Baker Eddy and their ongoing impact. I'm Jonathan Eder, Programs Manager at the Library. This podcast picks up on our previous episode with Mark Sappenfield, editor of the Christian Science Monitor, in which Mark and I examined how the Monitor today expresses the original vision for the newspaper as given by founder Mary Baker Eddy in 1908. We looked at what has endured and how the Monitor is adapting to today's very changed media environment. In this episode, we'll be focusing on recent in-depth reporting by the Monitor in Ethiopia, Somaliland, and Madagascar on famine resilience in Africa. Our principal guest will be the Monitor's photojournalist on this assignment, with additional commentary from Monitor editors. Well, I'm so pleased to be here in studio with Melanie Stetson Freeman who is staff photographer for the Christian Science Monitor. Hello, Melanie. Hi, nice to be here. Well, it's, it's great to have you here, and I'm sure it's nice for you to be back in Boston. You're often on assignment on the road. Yeah, it's always nice to come home. So we're going to be talking about your work uh, as staff photographer for the Christian Science Monitor for a series on famine in Africa. And... Earlier, uh, we had a conversation with your editors, uh, Mark Sappenfield, who's editor of the Christian Science Monitor, and, uh, and Amelia Newcomb, who is managing editor, about the series, about the Africa Famine series. And it was in the context of continuing a conversation that I'd been having with Mark about the ongoing purpose and values of the Christian Science Monitor. And part of our way of approaching that subject was looking at a speech from the very first editor of the Monitor, Archibald McClellan, a speech he gave in 1910, a transcript of which we have in the archives at the Mary Baker Library. So what I thought I'd do, Melanie, if it's okay with you, is, uh, is play a clip from that recording with, um, with Mark and Amelia, where they reference, or we reference, McClellan's speech, and... Um, and then see what that means to you in terms of your work there on the front lines of covering this story through the lens of your camera. Sounds good. Amelia and Mark, this is what McClellan says. It comes near the end of his talk. He says, The readers of the Monitor are enabled in a broader way to help their fellow men and to render even more practical, intelligent, and loving service as citizens of the world than heretofore. It's impressive to me, Mark and Amelia, that the first editor of the Monitor is recognizing this global commitment of the newspaper at this early juncture in its history. It's not even two years old at this point. Could you speak about that in connection with Monitor reporting today in its five-part series on addressing famine in Africa? When I hear... McClellan talking about loving service as citizens of the world. There's, there's a contract there in the sense that a citizen of the world is someone who is thinking beyond themselves, someone who is bringing the goodwill and the desire to help 
beyond the borders of their home, beyond the borders of their city, beyond the borders of their nation and saying, there's no limit to my compassion. There's no limit to my ability to be an agent for good in the world. And that is something where we help them in terms of by taking them to parts of the world that they can't be in. But it's also something where they help us mm -hmm. and they help us stick to those values and they help us stay on focus with what we should be doing. And this series came directly because of that relationship where someone recognized the value of the monitor and said, well, what if you did this? And by doing that, they gave kind of a shape and a direction to what we can do and then hopefully then bless them. How did that, how did that start again, Amelia? You were right there at the beginning. We saw a situation that needed addressing, that needs our best thinking and our best awareness. And that was the famine that is threatening a number of countries in Africa and in the Middle East. Um, but we were also motivated by our readers who told us they wanted to know more. And the reason they told us was that back in February, uh, one of our writers, Peter Ford, had done a story about famine generally. He was writing it by interviewing people. He wasn't in Africa at the time. But he explained how resilience was a key issue for humanitarian workers and that that's what they're trying to build in areas that are threatened by drought and famine. And we had a number of readers write in and say, tell me more, essentially, and to ask how they could engage with that subject better and with these people who are both as workers trying to build resilience of people in their own area who are threatened by famine, also trying to rise above and improve the conditions um, that are threatening food supply and animals and so forth. And so it was this really nice combination of both journalists identifying something and readers identifying something and then going forward together. And that's the way I saw it. And so we started figuring out how to report on the subject. So, Melanie, that's the background for why the, the Monitor undertook this story. So uh, what did all that mean to you in terms of preparing to go out on the field and, and take these images, um, and in terms of what you were looking for when you got there? Well, I take it very seriously that I'm the eyes of our readers. I'm going places they will never go. I'm meeting these dear people who are facing these huge challenges. Um, you know, just thinking about the topic of drought and famine, you can just imagine you're going to be seeing some very difficult situations. So the way I prepare is uh, I look at what other media have done, and there, there was not a whole lot done about this this topic, which is why we thought it was so important to cover it. So I'll, I'll look through the wire service photos to see what's there so I'm, I'm ready for what I'm going to see because I don't want to be overwhelmed and fall apart when I get there. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I rely a lot on... on the writer to get us to the the right locations. Mm -hmm. um, we did face a lot of r many roadblocks in the getting there from the bureaucracy of the Ethiopian government. Even though we were trying to tell a story of how the government had worked well with aid agencies in the UN to um, help these people, uh, we had a lot of trouble getting out to the site. Um, but once we got there the dignity of the people, that's always the case over and over, the resiliency and the dignity of the people that are facing these challenges we can't even imagine. Their whole lives have been uprooted. Um, they've, they've moved near a roadside so that they can get help. 
they're finding help from their fellow citizens who may not even know them, but they're always sharing with each other and, and telling each other where to go to get help. Um, it's really an honor to be there and, and see what these people are doing and to learn from them. Yeah. So McClellan, um, whom we reference from 1910, um, talks about rendering more practical, intelligent, and loving service as citizens of the world. So what does that mean for you to be a citizen of the world in the context of the, the role you perform for the Christian Science Monitor? I feel very fortunate that I grew up in Washington, D.C., which was a, a, a town that was always looking out at the world. I grew up with people from all over the world that were living there because their parents were in the embassies. Hmm. Um, and I grew up with the Christian Science Monitor that was, you know, where there were stories from third world countries that you may never have heard of. It was always something that interested me and that I wanted to be a part of. I've been to more than 70 countries for the Monitor and you do learn we're all alike. We're all facing the same struggles. People want safety. They want their their families to be safe. They want to have good work to do. Um, and as you go around to all these places, even the conflict zones, there's always good going on. And usually the trouble is is by a small amount of people. And unfortunately, I find that the media conflates these things to make you feel like it's hopeless, and it's it's never hopeless. So for me as a citizen of the world, I want to go and show the good that's being done. There's always, always good. And I can tell you the people I met with UNICEF, Save the Children, are doing amazing things with this uh, huge crisis that they're facing in Africa with the famine. Melly, that, that's wonderful to hear. And it makes me think of something that, um, that Amelia was saying in our, in our recording with her um, and that is seeing the good, seeing the light within contexts that can at the same time be very challenging. One of the things, the phrases I often use is, in our work, we are daring enough to see the world differently. Mm-hmm. It does take a certain element of daring. Um, yeah. People say, oh, you're, you're putting on rose-colored glasses, or you're not really seeing what's going on. And I see quite the opposite. I see that we are challenging the mesmerism of want or lack of dignity or national divisions or I can't see that person as a person. I'm separate from them or they right. it's something over there. So what we're doing is challenging all of that. And I think that has to be a starting point for the kind of coverage we do. And I think in the case of the famine series, starting from where can we find resilience? This is a word that's very... Um, the humanitarian community is very engaged with at the moment. Um, that's what they're trying to build. And it's a great thing to be looking for because mm-hmm. resilience is a bouncing back. It is a rising above. It is a refusing to be a victim. I'm so proud of what we do at the Monitor. Um, we don't look at people as victims. We empower people. I've found over and over, I mean, long ago I did a series called Children in Darkness where we were looking at child labor, and I loved meeting these children who they had so much dignity and pride in, in working and helping their families, meeting these folks facing this horrible drought that have lost everything. They do have such dignity and um, compassion for each other. I mean, all these qualities that 
are the most important qualities in humankind mm. were being exhibited by these folks as they're dealing with this uh, problem that people in our country could never imagine. Um, I love being able to show that to people. This first time in Madagascar shooting a photo, I hadn't, we just got there. So uh, I didn't know how the people would respond to my camera. Are they going to duck? Are they going to get angry? You know, are they going to be okay? So I, I would lift it kind of sheepishly. I took a, a photo of a man standing off to the side wearing a lovely hat, and he didn't seem to mind. I started taking more. And there were lots of people on the roadside selling things. People are coming up and down, going home, walking, or in ox carts. Um, and uh, soon they were all talking to each other, kidding each other. You know, if I was focusing on somebody, they'd kid them. And I hear a mother say, you know, take pictures of my children. Mm. And I look over, and here's these adorable little children dressed in rags, and they're dirty from head to toe. And she wanted me to document her lovely children. So I turned the lens on that. And mind you, I have a very big lens. They weren't afraid, though. They, they did a pose like I've seen in this country. I have an almost exact same photo out of Chile with two young children. Um, you know, just the shoulders went up, the hands went between their legs, and mm -hmm. um, the grins. Uh, so cute and so adorable. Uh, and if you look at the photo, you might see children that are neglected or dirty or very poor, but that's not what that mother saw. Mm -hmm. She loves these children, and that's what I saw too, these adorable children. So you have to look beyond the bad to see the good. Melanie, that's a wonderful story, hearing about your experience of taking that picture of those young children on the streets of Madagascar. It makes me think of some of the things that Mark and Amelia were saying about monitor photography and its purpose overall uh, during my interview with them. So I, I'd love to share with you a clip from, from that interview on, on the work of monitor photography. Uh, I just want to turn back to you, Amelia, and, and, and you, Mark. When you uh, received these images from Melanie out in the, uh, in the field, what are the qualities that uh, stand out to you about what she is bringing to these stories? Um, I'm, when I think of the monitor photography, I often, we recently had an event that was about Gordon Converse, who was in a lot of ways kind of the preeminent monitor photographer of his day, um, and really a preeminent photographer for the entire journalistic field of his day. And I was just struck by the metaphor, but it's, I think, a poignant one, that, of course, what photography is about, if you just go back to the Greek origin of the word, it's about light. Mm. I mean, without light, you don't have photography. And the whole idea of photography is looking at the way that light works. If you take that as a deeper metaphor, as Gordon did, you're looking for the light. <laughs> um, and that's, uh, it does, it is a metaphor on one hand, but on the other hand, it's not really. I mean, if you talk about with what Mel talks about, that is what she does. She goes, she goes and looks for the light literally as a photographer, but she goes and looks for the light metaphysically as uh, someone who's going there to tell a certain story. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what strikes me is that, is that 
the quality of those photographs just tell a different story. They have a different – Amelia talked about dare to see the world differently. They have a different worldview. Mm. They start from a different place. And it's a very powerful tool for all of us to engage. And uh, in the case of the photo of the two young children, right. Mel was able to see how that mother looked at her children. Mm. And that's – it's just a expression of beauty. And again, I come back to it, but an expression of love. And there was another photo that she took that I thought was also very powerful of a young woman in um, Ethiopia who had hoped to marry her childhood sweetheart and wasn't able to because her dowry was in the form of camels and the camels died because of the drought. Mm-hmm. And we had a very beautifully told written story about this young woman, but Mel also took a very beautiful portrait mm-hmm. of this person. And a reader was moved to inquire about how he could help to supply the dowry. And again, a photo, an image, a willingness to see who somebody really was uh, moved somebody to action. Melanie, looking back at your portfolio of work from that assignment, what kind of confidence does it give you about um, the expectations for these people and for for all of us moving forward in, in the world? Um, if you can see beyond the outer shell of someone or a different skin color, a different costume, a different lifestyle, you know, there's hope for all of us. And uh, it's so important to do that today when so many divisions are, are seem to be appearing in this country and, and in so many hotspots around the world. The still small voice of truth yeah, uh, comes clear, loud and clear, through our work here. I think. Yeah, well, I would agree, and um, it certainly comes through in the the light of your of your camera and your eye. Thank you so much, Melanie, for your work. It's always a pleasure to to talk with you, and obviously to look at at uh, the images that you take and share with us. Thanks for having me. To explore Melanie's images from this assignment and to read articles from the series on famine in Africa, we encourage you to click on the links on the page for this episode on our website. We invite you to tune in to our next podcast, which will be on the lives and lessons of Christian Science military chaplains. Our guest is Kim Shuet, who has written extensively on Christian Science military ministry. His most recent work, just published, is the wartime diaries of Chaplain Richard H. Chase. Chase served in some of the most intense battles in Europe during World War II. I'm Jonathan Eder, Programs Manager at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Thank you for listening to Seekers and Scholars. This podcast is produced by the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Copyright 2017.